0: Uh, they are both floating through the air, uh, like the world's worst impression of Atreyu and Falcor <laughs> I have ever seen.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Pixel It. My name is Kevin alongside my good friend, Phil. What the fuck did we just read? I don't know.
0: <laughs> I don't. I don't have time. I don't have time. to. to, to hi, everybody. I'm Phil. I, what, what the fuck did we read?
1: All right. I need so, your help. Kevin. So on the literal level, what we read was the third Bloodborne book, Bloodborne, a song of crows. I might have called song it a feast crows. for crows in the last episode, but that's oh, a, that's a Game <laughs> of Thrones book. Not right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and I tell you, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Now,
0: you. You know more than I do. So I was reading this. I was reading this at home uh, going, all right, Kevin is going to need to help me here. Kevin's going to need to help me here. And uh, and 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 I tell you, I think the th- the thing that I pointed out with the last book, volume two, uh, was that whereas the first one had more of an actiony, it felt more like the video game, the second one bravely in my mind took a turn to be a more quiet, personal sort of story, um, you know, that was just set in that world, uh, the kind of story you couldn't get out of the video game. Not really, you know, which is fantastic. And now with this, we've gone even further down that line. It is such a personal story as to be like it's the rant the the rantings of a madman is the only thing I can really describe. This there's there there's sure. very little monsterage. Uh, they they went full Lovecraft on this.
1: There is there is I would say zero real monster ness in it. Well, you got you got the one the one little centipede gentleman dude. Yes, uh, and that's but, actually so. Here's the thing. I might end up being even more confused than you are because I know Bloodborne stuff. <laughs> okay, so
0: you because you have some context, it actually it actually makes it tougher. You think it might take, make it tougher for you to interpret this. Yes,
1: because the character that we're following is a character called Eileen the Crow. Mm-hmm. And her job in the Bloodborne context of the Bloodborne universe is she is a group of hunters that hunts Hunters. Her entire job is to kill hunters who are about to flip over to the beastly side or okay. have kind of gone mad. That's that's her shtick.
0: Okay, so she Eileen the Crow is the is, is the one who watches the Watchmen. She
1: basically. is the one who watches the Watchmen. Yes.
0: Okay. 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 I I picked up a little bit on that. Um you know, the, there's that kind of mournful undertaker kind of vibe sure, uh, to Eileen. And, and it's, it's very, very weird. And I guess this is kind of, this feels based on that, this feels like the story of Eileen kind of unwinding a bit uh, and not in a good way. Like something in the brain is going bye-bye here.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure when this and to, Basically, repeat a motif that happens throughout this book. I don't know when this is. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And and spoiler alert, neither does Eileen. Neither does Eileen. No. So in the first issue, and it's almost tough to differentiate these between issues because it is the previous two books are very clearly character arcs. Each yes. issue kind of tells a different part of the story, but in this one, it's pretty much mashed into one juicy pulp. <laughs> there's there's yeah. almost no differentiation between what's happening between from issue to issue,
0: and and it could be happening in any order. The thing that the Eileen's kind of uh, 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 chorus seems to be when is
1: this Is that what, what Eileen says? Yeah. She keeps Uh, asking, when is this,
0: when is this, when is this Uh, questioning? It's in fact, the first two uh, lines in the entire collection. And Eileen clearly doesn't know where, you know, she, they are uh, when they don't, they don't even always know where they are, let alone what, date what time it is we get a lot of flashbacks uh presumably flash forwards right and uh and it's and and the funny thing is is if you think as the reader that it's screwing with you it appears to be screwing with eileen the crow even worse
1: yes because she does not she can't tell her story in any reasonable way no So one of the earliest images that we get is her basically doing the what you would expect somebody with a plague doctor mask to be doing, which is tending to the the corpses. Right. Yes.
0: A a big uh, damn looks like a stream of corpses, literally this long drawn trench uh, filled with with dozens, if not hundreds
1: of dead bodies. She's taken it upon yeah. herself to basically bury the dead what, because yeah. nobody else will.
0: Right, right. And just these this villages worth of dead and just Eileen with her shovel, <laughs> which that is a lot of work, Eileen. And, and good for you. You know, good for you. That is whew, a lot of work.
1: Yeah. So. I don't even really know how to approach it because the story is not linear. So there's really not much of a reason to talk about it. Right. Linearly. It's tough. It's very difficult. Yeah. So here's the thing. This one is tough. Yeah. Is it almost seems like it was going to. It almost seemed like it was going to transition into a mystery, like a murder mystery. And I got really excited right. for a moment. I got super excited. I genuinely excited, thought that's where it was going to. Yeah. And then yeah. it did not. No. <laughs> It was a mystery
0: in many ways, but perhaps not a a murder mystery. Yeah, basically, early on, what uh, Eileen tends to is the murder of a hunter uh, who has been killed in a very ritualistic fashion, Um, entrails spilled out and hung up on graves in a cemetery with its head severed, and a note placed in the hunter's mouth, the note reads simply consciousness is a lake, which to me felt a little. What do you call it? What is that? That um, time is a, a flat surface kind of thing. It's yeah. Circular. Yeah. Uh, that's that immediately is what came to mind. And and based on the fact that we are going backwards and forwards in time throughout this book, that is
1: almost certainly uh, the point. Right. So. She sees this note, and then she immediately flashes back to what I assume is her childhood, where her and her friend are out on a frozen lake, and her friend falls through the ice and dies. We get some Junji Ito Uzumaki stuff happening here. Right.
0: (laughs) We get... We get a flashback to, uh, and, and this, this, this kind of makes sense as far as flashbacks concerned, uh, uh, Eileen remembering a a ritual, uh, what seems to be a, uh, a ritual slaughter, uh, of a cow, uh, that has its entrails pulled out much in the same way that that the the hunters were. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and describes herself taking part in the whole thing. Uh, refers to as, as we were doing this, we were doing this, and is this, and it starts cutting back and forth between her friend who has fallen through the ice, the childhood friend, and uh, a member of the party that is circling the uh the dead cow with a torch and a mask on and that sort of thing taking part in the ritual presumably these are the same people that what i took from it was that eileen saved this childhood friend and and uh and this childhood friend grew uh with her to take part in these these ritual sacrifices basically slaughtering the fatted calf basically
1: yeah I guess that's as good a an uh, interpretation as, as any. It was, it was all I got. <laughs> it's all I got. <laughs> There's a lot of brief words. There's a lot of brief images. And then we're in issue number two, which starts with Eileen dreaming of herself and what seems to be her decaying matter dripping onto herself as another version of herself for yes. above her. Yes. Is that uh, what you got it, from that?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It was, it was really interesting because in the, in the previous issue at the very end, um, she describes, um, uh, hold on, I'm going to find it because it's really, really strange. Um, that time, is it literally says here, time is water. It drowns the rats inside of me and the dead bodies rise up my throat. Uh, and, and she vomits in the street, uh, basically seems to be putting together the, the, the notions of this person uh, who she presumably saved, who should be dead, she said she saw him die uh but seems to be alive for some reason and now she's having this this vision vision of uh herself yeah the the with guess maggots crawling out of her eyes. Or vomit,
1: yeah. maggot, something raining down on her, and then she wakes up.
0: Yeah. And it, it has one of my favorite quotes in this entire series, by the way. It's it's some serious grotesquery uh, the meat is steered by thousands of small, enthusiastic puppeteers talking about uh, the movement of rotting flesh with maggots writhing through it. And it's like, holy fucking shit. That is horrifying and good.
1: Uh, there, is some, there is some. There uh, is some. There's some weird little lines in this that I enjoyed when we got the neat little morsels of. Mm hmm. My concern was that there are way too few and far between. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The writer, um, we're getting to it, but the, the writer makes some choices here when we get into the third issue of this particular volume that I wasn't so sure about brave choices, brave to be certain. Well, nice. yeah,
1: I, cause we <laughs> get more, I don't f- know if they worked. We get more flashbacks, more visuals and, Eventually, Eileen comes face to face with somebody who wears a mask on their face, much like she does. Mm -hmm. And she shows. Actually, he has the head somehow. The head of the hunter that I guess it's the same head of the hunter. I don't know. The head has the symbol on it that she remembers from her childhood with the ritual. And then they fight. They fight, yeah,
0: and then they they get down to fighting.
1: <laughs> they get down to fighting. There's more flashbacks during the fight. Eileen is Eileen seems to be fighting to kill. The other guy just seems to be fighting to fight, and just knocks Eileen out and leaves her in the snow and leaves. Right.
0: Yeah. Just uh, yeah. Doesn't isn't even armed. By the way, isn't uh, even armed. Uh, no.
1: Eileen's got a couple
0: of nasty looking heavy metal daggers. Uh, and, uh, and, and he's just punching her (laughs) and yeah, yeah, leaves her in the snow. Uh, uh, presumably this person, uh, is someone from her past.
1: Uh, and she presumably, yeah, Yeah. I think so. Here is my read on it so far. And it's as valid as literally any other read is that the kid that falls (laughs) through the ice died. It, right. The kid fell through the ice, died. That was her childhood friend. But now she thinks her friend is actually still alive and that the guy with the mask on is the childhood friend.
0: Right. And we do get, and we do, before the fight, we do get this dream sequence vision of, um, Eileen, as as still a child, but uh, presumably a little older than when her friend fell through the ice, hunting deer and fires an arrow through the deer that goes through its neck. Uh, But the deer doesn't run. It doesn't fall or anything. It just its head is now replaced with uh, the face of the boy who fell through the ice. And uh, there's a lot of questions of uh, guilt there. Um, You know, uh, you know something to do with this this boy this 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 childhood death uh leading her on her current path in a way um, yeah. if it's true what you say now this is just the writer in me spitballing here uh but if it's true what you say that Eileen has taken upon herself the role of um you know cleansing the dead basically right. uh you know she she you know d- doesn't let anyone you know, basically besmirch the idea of being a hunter by going mad or something along those lines that it's, and, and we also opened with her um, burying the dead uh, rather than see them just rot in the streets. There's something about this friend of hers who fell through the ice. If you're right. And that child did die um, that this is the a time that she couldn't retrieve the body. She couldn't help. She couldn't save the child. And, basically from then on use that as a mission to tend to the dead basically so sure. that they wouldn't suffer the same indignities that her friend did. Right. Um but again that's just me spitballing here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we got um so just as a little back background and this is the this is the part where I guess the bloodborne knowing helps um she arrives at a building the building is called Bergenworth and Bergenworth was where the study of blood the old blood first really took place okay so is this a this is a church the, building or no 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 this is not a church building this is a this is a this is basically a college it's a university it's oh, a okay. school okay uh it's the school of mensis um uh i believe It's the School of Mensis in Bergenworth College or something Mm -hmm. like that. Anyway, she's at Bergenworth. The creature that she keeps seeing with the many eyes is a creature called Rom, the vacuous spider.
0: Rom, they always had good damn names in these things, (laughs) don't they? Now, for Um, those of you who are listening who who haven't read the comic or, or, or are like me who haven't played the game, let me go ahead and describe... Uh, uh, Rom, uh, to you, Rom is, uh, I wouldn't call Rom a spider, uh, but you know, Rom's got kind of a long, weasley shaped kind of body with, you know, dozens of long spidery legs, admittedly, um, a, a fuzzy top or a snow covered top. It's kind of hard to say. And a head with one gaping. Razor fanged mouth and uh, just dozens of black eyes, like a spider's eye So there are there are admittedly uh, spider-ish uh, qualities. Yeah, yeah, spider, spider, spider parallel. You know, spider yeah.
1: proximate. You know, Rom at one point was a person, and okay. he was granted eyes by the old gods yeah. Uh, and how? Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Rom got Rom wanted eyes. He
1: got his Ram damn got, eyes.
0: He got his damn eyes.
1: Oh, uh, Rom. Yeah. Robbie Rom Rom. And I,
0: and I will say that that does seem to be a theme in, in the book because we never get a look. We never get a good look at um, Eileen's eyes behind the, the crow mask, the the plague mask yes. that, uh, she wears. It's just gaping black. But we do get flashbacks to the eyes of the childhood friend. Uh, there are the wide open eyes as they drown. And then the other hunter that she fights, who beats her up and leaves her in the snow, wears a mask that's kind of like a plain cherubic almost kind of mask. Just a plain boyish face, which, which immediately calls to mind a, a, a comparison to the, the, the boy dying in the lake. Uh, and and that person's eyes, you can see as well. Uh, but, you know, and then, of course, we've got Rom here with uh, many, many, many super eyes, many uh, eyes, many eyes, too many eyes. I'll, I'll say that I will. I will go out on a limb here and suggest that maybe I can't speak for the old gods. I don't I don't claim to know uh, their business. Uh, the less said about them, the better.
1: You know, they but, often uh, they often have a lot of eyes.
0: Yeah, they do. They do. Uh, And and this one is, this this sucker is no exception. And it is, is is it walking out on the ocean? Sort of.
1: um, Yeah. So in the game to get to Rom, you actually have to jump into the lake. And Mm -hmm. when you do so, you fall through it and into basically another dimension where you are now standing upon water in the midst, in the midst of, it's water in literally every direction. And as far as you can see, it is just kind of this whitish fog off in the distance. And it extends infinitely in each direction. And the only so you're thing in this in kind there is
0: otherworldly open you're water, in this, basically.
1: Yep. You're basically in this otherworldly open water. And the only thing there is you and Rom. Oh, wow. And you have to fight Rom, I assume. Yes, you have to fight and kill Rom and Rom's little spider babies.
0: (laughs) We don't, we don't, I don't think we meet Rom's spider babies. We don't, we don't
1: meet Rom's spider babies, but let me tell you, they are annoying because they, they're mostly just a nuisance, except one attack they have is an instant kill. Oh God. (laughs) And it looks only slightly different than all their other attacks. Jesus Christ. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, this is, now, and this is, this brings me again to what is so interesting about these graphic novels for Bloodborne, because the game that from software made with Bloodborne is a combat game, period. There's no getting around it. There right. is lots of interesting lore that you can dig up if you're looking for it. Um, but this is a fighting game. This is an action game. Yeah, it's an action uh, RPG. Right, right. And, but, uh, the, the, these graphic novels have basically taken this world and these creatures and that sort of thing. And Rom, who in the game basically only exists as another horror to fight, uh, now plays this kind of different role, much in the same way that, um, uh, what was the fucking nasty. Beast that was fought in. Uh,
1: oh, that was the blood-starved beast. The blood-starved beast.
0: Yes. Uh, <laughs> they play. They now. While the blood-starved beast totally existed for combat in uh, the first comic, there. These are all. You know. They they have taken them and they're, again they're pulling more of a Lovecraft here with this. You know. They, these are they. They they exist for far more than just. Fucking up. Basically. Yeah,
1: there is signings There's a, some sort of meaning being assigned. Some sort of thematic meaning assigned to them. Mm-hmm. Rom, though, I don't. I don't know. I don't fucking know. At this point, I'm throwing my hands up because we roll into the third issue, and it there is there is zero dialogue. There's no writing. It's for it's the entire issue. For the entire issue, and let me tell you, Mister Cott, who who wrote this, um, I have <laughs> I have heaped praises on you for two podcasts now, and yes, you have. This is where you went up your own ass. <laughs> Oh, so you were not impressed by this. I was not impressed, but we get to issue three and I'm like, all right, we're going to get something. You get nothing. You just get no, repeated you don't. images over and over and over again. And the editor in me cringes because I'm like, you could have gotten this effect in part of one issue. And guess yes. what? You've already fucking done it. I was so annoyed by when we, as I was flipping through, I was like, if I, here's the thing. If I had bought this, this comic, when it came out, when mm. the, the I waited a month for it to come out, yeah, Board, just
0: this, just this issue. And it's
1: just this issue. like, I read the previous one. It was like, well, maybe the Eileen, the crow arc will turn around in issue three because I'm feeling it's, I'm, it's it's teeter. It was already teetering for me for issue uh, after issue two. And I uh-huh. wait a month and issue three comes out and I, I flipped through it. I would be furious. <laughs> I yeah, would. This is, <laughs> this
0: is the equivalent of in a, in a, in a, uh, for those of you who've been to grad school, maybe you went to grad school for writing or you took a class for writing. You know, you know what? Just school, just college. And, uh, there was always, you know, there were plenty of people in the class. So you're writing a novel or a short story or something. And when someone, if it, it feels like when someone loses the thread and they aren't sure what to do next, they put in a dream sequence. And, uh, I blame, I blame twin peaks for this. Yes, uh, uh, <laughs> twin peaks, twin peaks, admittedly did it right. Twin peaks is, is, but, uh, it open just like a lot of things, Twin Peaks opened the door for a lot of uh, uh, far less talented people uh, to come in and go for the lynching experience. Uh, I'm not as angry about this, this particular issue, but I also see absolutely where you're coming from. Let's just, uh, real quick, let's just go through the imagery. As as it goes in this particular issue, sure. Uh, starting starting from the beginning, starting from the beginning, um, we get eyes. We see the reflection of Eileen, Eileen in the eyes of uh, what is it? Rom, Rom, yeah, Rom, and then the reflection of Rom in the eyes of presumably a crow, and the reflections of the crows in the eyes of presumably. Uh, Eileen the crow, and there are a couple of crows watching from a tree, and we get a closer look, and one of them uh, appears to have pecked out one of the eyes of the other one. Right. And this is where I'm glad that you said what you said, where you explained Rom to me, because then we see uh, Eileen the crow uh, floating in the waters of this lake, and we get shots of uh, the 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 what was the name of the uh, building? Again? It's the called school? Bergenworth. Bergenworth, we see Bergenworth and its giant, uh, dock or pier, you know, that's built into it that that uh, goes out to the lake. Uh, So, and uh, the moon has split open in a very uh, Georgia O'Keeffe kind of way, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, It's a lot of lot of spheres splitting open. The moon over the lake. Beautiful shots. The The artist remains. I think we can both agree that e- even if this is a bit obtuse, the, the
1: artist. So, yeah, my criticism of this issue is is not for the artist ears. The artist did an amazing job. My Still criticism yeah. is, it remains completely leveled at the writer, uh, Alice, Alice Cott, who who outlines. I, w- I would assume outlined this arc.
0: <laughs>
1: right. Right
0: I, I, now, I would be. It would be kind of hilarious, depending on the kind of writer he was. That it, like, <laughs> it just his writers. We know writers. Uh, we know we all writers. sorts of writers. Yes, <laughs> and we know what kind of people are attracted to that lifestyle. And uh, and I can only I can imagine like them being overdue. Like it's due to the publisher now, but the writer cannot get off the bottle and has been drunk for five weeks straight. (laughs) And the artist is just like, fuck it. I'll just, I'm going to put some shit together, man. We're getting a dream sequence. (laughs) dream sequence. Here we go. (laughs) Yep. And, uh, now, and, uh, uh, Eileen the crow removes her mask to reveal that she's got another mask identical to the one she took off underneath,
1: which is also, Uh, I don't know. I feel like David Lynch has done that before too. If he hasn't, then plenty of other people
0: have. Then we get get a lot of, um, we get, uh, let's see, 16 boxes per page here on a couple of pages with the moon uh, either rising or going into the lake, depending on how you look at it. The eyes of Rom, uh, uh, Eileen's profile floating up out of the lake again. And then finally, this full two-page shot of Eileen floating on her back underneath the the gargantuan rom the spider uh they are both floating through the air uh like the world's worst impression of Atreyu and Falcor i have ever seen
1: <laughs> rom would make a it, shitty falcor
0: a terrible falcor i just yeah I don't think, I don't think rum would know how to pronounce a tray's name. It'd probably be more something like, <laughs> you know, that would be, it's the best poor Rob can manage. It's a great shot. Uh, and there they are flying in the air. And then we get another quick succession of boxes, the eyes of rum And then uh, uh, Eileen slowly floating back down into the lake where she stands like you said, happens in the game. Standing on the lake, uh, in fr- now as as an adult standing in front of her childhood friend. Yep. Uh, who is a a child, uh, as the title suggests.
1: Yes. And then uh, uh, they- the child runs away, and then she yeah. she watches the child run, and then she turns around again, and there's Rom floating like a cloud in front of her. Yeah,
0: just hanging, just, just hanging.
1: hanging <laughs> What's up? I'm wrong. I hang out with the old guys. I don't mean to brag. I'm just I'm, And then she walks back to Bergenworth uh after yeah. having a brief flashback to the the ceremony from when she was a child. And And this is and this is the part that does
0: indeed piss me off though. So Kevin, do you want to tell tell our audience what the final sentence is what the final page of this fucking the final uh, page is is
1: all black and it's just the text you are granted eyes fuck you (laughs) fuck you like we get it we get
0: it your metaphor is sound it is it is it is not just sound it is over egged consider this pudding egged and then some it is just like oh my god man we got no eyes. I got no face. I got no eyes. Got no face. Here's this thing with a whole bunch of eyes. Here's this thing with a whole bunch of eyes. And we're floating. We're floating. We're flying. We're flying. And oops, I'm down on the lake. And oops, I still got no eyes. And oops, I'm granted eyes. The end. The end. Boom. That is. The end. That,
1: that is the end. Uh, that is that is the end of the third issue in this four issue. The third arc. issue. And I am. I am. Um. Yeah. Uh, I I was I was fine. I was. Oh, were you? I was fine. <laughs> you didn't sound fine, Kevin. <laughs> I was fine until I realized about three pages in. We're like, there's gonna be. There's nothing. There's this is just a dream sequence, isn't it? This is 22 pages of dream sequence. You got to yeah. be fucking kidding me. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was an entire issue of a dream sequence, which, which is just. It's just I don't
1: know, man. And it's you could do more than that. Beautifully illustrated, again beautifully illustrated. Artists, colorists, the the lines, the inking, knocked out of the park. But yeah, the writer, Mister Cott. uh, I'm just I'm just I loved the first two books love them we've had
0: nothing but good things to say nothing but good things to say they had
1: they had nice little humor this feels like it's one idea drawn out to its longest possible length and then quadrupled (laughs) yeah yeah
0: it was just like because here's the thing it's not it's not that what you said wh- uh, what the writer has to say here w- didn't need to be said or or didn't require saying in any way shape or form. It's just there were way better methods of doing it and it feels a little too up your own ass yes when you're <laughs>
1: just when you do it this way. Yeah. Um, and you
0: know, I, you're, you've, you've drunk your own Kool-Aid at this
1: point. At this point, yeah, this is, this is a little drink-your-own-Kool-Aid moment. This is a little too yeah. precious. And yeah. I personally would have loved if this was... If maybe we spend the first issue establishing Eileen's having a little bit of trouble remembering things in the order that they happened... Right, right, this right. turns into a true murder mystery.
0: I that would have been t- way more interesting. That would have been way more interesting.
1: It actually would have been very interesting in the vein of True Detective. If you yeah, remember, yeah, you you saw the first season of True Detective, right? I did. Yeah, absolutely. Basically, Matthew McConaughey's character, Matthew's McConaughey's character, has trouble remembering things or perceiving time kind of in the proper order. Right. Right. Um, and that's where his line time is a flat circle comes from. So oh, they did say that. in the, they, oh, yeah, fuck, I forgot about that. Yeah. That was, that was, that was, he's, he's in the car and he says something like time is a flat circle. Um, But yeah, so, and true detective, it's a story told mostly out of order until, yeah. so, until it gets towards the end where things kind of start falling into place but um yeah it feels like it feels like that there was it was they were just going for a, something really artistic yeah. overly artsy but it just didn't it didn't nail the fundamentals of telling a story in any telling a story either through plot or character or thematically I don't think it really mm-hmm. nails it on any, on any level.
0: No, it, it's it, this one. Whereas. And we're, and we've still got an issue. There's to go, still an but, issue to go, but, but there's still an issue to go. Uh, but right now I will just say that uh, what seems to have happened is the first volume, the first storyline, because they're all self-contained storylines, which I still think is a great idea. Yeah. Um, the first volume is a little more grounded uh it still has the strange fourth wall breaking sort of thing the existential angst all of that stuff um but when you get down to it it's it's a it's a really deep sword and sorcery kind of thing yeah you know when you get down to it, what is happening is we are running from a big goddamn monster and eventually we're going to have to have a throwdown with this thing uh, yeah he, and all he, along the way we're getting angsty the Fine. hunter
1: the hunter has his MacGuffin that he is he is carrying across the wastelands of Yarnum, and there's a monster on their tail there's right. a there's there's right. a dragon following them that's pretty much yeah, yeah like you said sword yeah. and sorcery
0: yeah grendel's mother is coming after them and and they got to be ready that's all Um, And you get some cool set pieces, and it made me think a lot of Robert E. Howard or uh, Conan the Barbarian. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If anybody here likes the idea of just good old-fashioned sword and sorcery pulp, and you haven't read any Robert E. Howard, do yourself a favor. It's really solid. It's not without its problems, Uh, you know, those old pulp writers always are, but at least this guy never tried to start his own goddamn religion. (laughs) Uh, you know, so at least there's that, but in any case, it starts out with that. The second volume is a more personal story and it gets a little more ethereal, a little more thoughtful and personal, um, and, uh, and, and tragic, that sort of thing. There's no real splatterhouse combat right. to speak of. And like it's in the also, first one.
1: it's also a little bit more of, it has more plot. The second one has a right. the second volume has a lot more plot than the first one does.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then with this one, it feels like we've gotten completely out of it, and it's just become a it, it. There isn't much in the way of plot at all. It's a very introspective character piece, which has its place, which can be very, very good. But I think part of the reason that it's disappointing beyond it being a little. A little overwrought. Uh, let's be honest. Yeah, it's a little, a little too. I don't know. I I can't. I I feel real bad. I can't speak for this writer, but it 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 feels like a little too. I'm clapping myself on the back here as I write this. uh This is the Obama. You
1: know? This is like the Obama medal meme of of of, <laughs> of of Obama giving himself a medal. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right and and i think it it's it's
0: it's extra frustrating because as kevin pointed out it started to feel like we were getting kind of a murder mystery thing which is super appropriate for the character right um and uh and could be a really interesting turn warhammer uh i'm going to i'm bringing up warhammer for the thousandth time in my life <laughs> uh, the black library they they do all their fiction they've been doing fiction for the warhammer universes since the, I think, early 80s, late 70s, something like that for a very long time anyway. And uh, they recently came out with entire, a a few years ago, they came out with an entire imprint that was just dedicated to horror. Now, the Warhammer, whether it's 40K or fantasy, there's lots of room for horror in there, but they've never really, they've they've never like focused on the spooky stuff all by itself for an entire series. And they've certainly never done an entire imprint in their publishing house dedicated to just that. And then not long after that, they came out with an entire imprint dedicated to mystery. So you've got an entire series of books and short stories that are detective stories and murder mysteries and shit like that set in the forty K or Age of Sigmar universe, and that shit's so cool. <laughs> like, that's so cool, and that's what a clever idea, you know. Because you know, that's that's such a neat idea, and and that's immediately what I started to think about when I was thinking those terms. Where it's like, oh yeah, this could be like he's like think about that. Like you got a Sherlock Holmes story in the midst of uh, this horrifying, you know, Lovecraftian universe. That could be. That could be neat. That could be, that could be really neat. And uh and, and, and it's not our job uh to say what a writer should have written. You know, you write your own thing, Boo Boo, but that would have been better. That would have been really cool.
1: <laughs> with our our um, tremendous disappointment. We move on yeah, to Yeah, with all that in mind. With all that in mind, <laughs> we move on to issue four. Yes, which starts again with a phrase that I have started to shudder at when I see it. In this book. Sure. <laughs> Eileen saying, "When is this?" And I'm like, "I don't care, Eileen anymore. I don't. I've yeah. you you have driven when is this as a metaphorical and introspective character device. That phrase has has is gone. I don't care mm. when this is." Just tell me yeah. what are you doing.
0: Right. <laughs> whenever you well, whenever just, you
1: are, just tell me what you're doing instead. <laughs> that's
0: just it. That's the problem. You know, it's like it'd be one thing if Eileen the Crow was a character that was super well fleshed out in the video game. Sure. And, but I and I've never played this game, but I know that she wasn't well fleshed out just in the video game. Not in any easy sense of the word. Like. Not in a way that you would be like, well, I wonder what she's up to right now. Right. Oh, she's having an existential breakdown. That's interesting. <laughs> no, no, we we don't know enough. Like, we don't know enough about her and where she is and what she's doing. We don't have excuse me. It drops up. Uh, we don't have the ground. It's not grounded enough for us to pull the fucking uh, uh, tablecloth out from under us. Sure. There's not you have to start in some level of reality before you can go into all of this. Where am I? What's happening? Who am I? How is this all working? You you can't just go straight into that or it's
1: meaningless. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it's not being compared. There's no comparison point. No, exactly. Exactly. As far as we know, this is just
0: what it is. Her that's this is as far as we know, this is just what Eileen's life is.
1: And if that's the case, it's not very interesting right. Not t- to us as the reader. And what's interesting about her in the game is that she has a very distinctive accent. She mm-hmm. is the only person that sounds, um, I guess she's Scottish. Uh, she, has a, okay. she has a Scottish accent in the game and one of her her trademark things that she says to you is a hunter must hunt <laughs> <laughs> but you but even in the game you never get any hint that this is that she's really having the existential crisis that um you would you would think about i even looked up her lore just just because I was like, this is weird. This this is weird. It, it was a weird pairing to use Eileen the Crow for this particular story. Right. Because it doesn't seem it to connect. It doesn't seem to connect with anything that you really talk to her about in the game. She is the only character, one of the only characters that is distinctly not from Yarnum, And they reference mm-hmm. that in this book that she is from somewhere yeah. else she used to take part in these ceremonies when she was a kid that it's not a yarnum thing she's not from here
0: and that's kind of cool uh, because that 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 now that you say that these flashbacks to her taking part in this bloody ritual sacrifice sort of thing does smack of uh if she's an outsider and what we know about the Yarnum world, like it does have that feeling of like the Catholic church of England versus the pagan rights of the people outside, you know, the Scots, yes. and, you know, that, that kind of thing, the, the, the Celts, right. Uh, the, the Picts, you know, it's, right. it's, it, it it has that. And I like that. I, where's that story. I would have loved that story. I would have loved a flashback story of, you know, her coming of age and, you know, why she left there and all that. That would be fucking cool as shit.
1: Yeah, it would God, be. Damn it. So we don't damn get it. that. We get. No. Uh... <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> I suppose we don't. <laughs> we get her returning back to Yarnum. Mm-hmm. She leaves Bergenworth. She goes back to Yarnum. And this, this, this final issue is probably the one that is told the most in the most linear format where she <laughs> yeah. returns to Yarnum. She basically returns to the house. I believe it's supposed to be the house that she sees in the beginning of the dead mm-hmm. Hunter. I think, oh, okay. okay. I think she's returned to the house of the dead Hunter and okay. she is looking for this masked person. Who were may or may not be her childhood friends all grown up, and kind of basically her lingering guilt over mm-hmm. not being able to save her childhood friend. so she gets out onto the roof and i'm I'm it may seem like I'm blowing through this, but there it's basically one large draw one large illustration per page.
0: <laughs> right. She gets right. out onto you get the, to a certain point. Yeah. Yeah.
1: She gets out onto the roof and sees this person and she has, she has another series of flashbacks, the drowning and all that. And she just says, I let go. And this yeah. character. Well,
0: it's, it's really interesting because she's on the roof and this character, the the masked man that she's been, you know, dealing with, she drops her weapons, you know, and just reaches out to this person. Uh, kind of the same gesture that she did in the last issue when she saw the
1: little boy uh, who who fell into the lake. Right. She reaches out and the person just falls backwards off the roof and she steps forward and she looks down and there's the. Basically, there's the body uh, lying yeah. in the snow. So she returns back down. And she sees the imprint, and there's no body, and it starts to snow, and she lays down in the hole that was left, and the yeah, snow fills, just falls it, upon fills her. it
0: completely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And
1: so basically, it kind of comes full circle, um, and that's the thing is, I I don't know. I don't necessarily know how to read it. I don't think that that masked person was ever there. I think it was just a, a visual manifestation of her grief coming back yeah. over the over not being able to save her friend as a kid. And yeah. the imprint on the ground. The, res- the reason why there is no footsteps around it is because she actually fell. She drew threw herself off the building. Um, out of yep. her own grief yep. and is laying there in the snow and clearly it didn't kill her because I'm assuming this is before the events of the game. Um, as with oh, everything okay. else, Uh um, it does,
0: there is kind of a, the final panel is her on her back being covered in snow and there's, there's kind of a, a splash of blood or something like that, but yeah, it's not clear. It's not totally clear. Um, Uh, it also doesn't seem like, it. what was it? A two story drop. I I don't think that's killing these hunters. I I, I don't, unless that was a much taller building than it seemed to be. And I, I really think it was like two stories tall. I think that was it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I actually didn't notice that the first time is there is a little bit of a pool of blood underneath her. Um, yeah, which kind of does, does lead credence to the idea that there was never any person. She threw herself off the building. Right. Right, and I and I, I happen to agree. I,
0: I think I think you're right. I think because uh, there is a line when she sees him first in this final issue, she sees him in the house, uh, and 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 there's a it's a pretty good line. It's uh, a hole in the shape of grief, and so yeah, I think that does suggest that as just as you say that he's some sort of manifestation of old errors and and old grief and you know the the things that we can't let go of um which is a very worthwhile thing to tell a story about but my 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 grief uh, against this particular storyline still stands
1: yeah no i agree i think this could have been told in a it could have been told in a much more focused way, or there could have been more interesting through lines. Um, I think it was, it was bold to kind of decide to experiment with this particular idea over the course Mm -hmm. of four issues of a comic. Um, I just don't necessarily agree with the approach or the fact that it was, it was stretched out for so long. Yeah, I will absolutely give credit to the writer
0: in terms of you made a choice, you tried something different. That's always worth doing, especially when you've got two uh, storylines already under your belt here with this series. Um, and so you got you're on your third one. Things are going well. So it's like, OK, let's try something out, you know, and and that's that's a, a it's a good thing to try something out. but. The problem with this one is that it was all one note. It was all the surreal and all the weird, uh, and it wasn't grounded in anything. It didn't give us. uh, I'll tell you what, me and uh, the fiance went to a movie uh, this past uh, weekend. Uh, We went to see uh, Zola.
1: Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I I know of the story. Yeah.
0: Yeah. First and foremost, go see Zola. It was fucking excellent. Uh, it was super weird. It was very surreal. It dealt with the notions of, um, you know, the uh, 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 what do you call it? The untrustworthy narrator. And he said, she said, and this and just surreal everything. Um, but it and so it had all these bizarre moments that made you go because it was it, for those of you who don't know, it's a movie that's based on a one hundred and forty eight long uh, Twitter thread. Uh, and so it's like, it, there are going to be a lot of moments in something like that where you go, what the fuck? That couldn't have happened. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and there are plenty of moments in there like that. And it, and it, and it question, you question, uh, you know, the story they're telling you and the visuals they're giving you all the time. And, uh, and, but it's, but it's still grounded in a real world with people that you believe that, that, uh, that you, you, You have some sort you yourself as the reader have something that you can compare it to that you can relate with, that you can believe. Now, do we as readers of Bloodborne, of all things, are we going to have a whole shit ton of things in common with these people? No, but that's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) No, no. it's, It's about giving us some level of reality to work with first before everything goes off the hinges, before everything goes off the rails, even uh, uh uh fear and loathing in las vegas pulled that off yeah. you know like like this can be done you can have your surrealist bombshell storyline but it still needed it, it it they where he fucked up is that it just it wasn't grounded in anything to begin with we were on a cloud to begin with yep i agree so it it yeah i think it's disappointing but i will say we've built up a lot of goodwill uh with
1: these uh, storylines
0: so far that I'm still looking forward to the next yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I'm I, still I,
1: looking. Uh, the, the next one is The Veil Torn Asunder, I believe. Yes. Yeah. And Veil's... Was, and this is the final, final one. Final one. Wow. We are just tearing through this these Bloodborne books, but... Yeah. You know, it's funny. I... Bloodborne, I feel like, is such a... It's such a rich little world that it seems like there could be more, there could be more to it. There could be. Yeah. When you talk about Warhammer 40 K and how basically you could spend your entire life just reading Warhammer uh, yeah. stuff. Like yeah. there is so and there much have been times that I've considered it. There is so much <laughs> Warhammer stuff from mm. the indie games and video games. And there's, there's, there's the tabletop stuff, there are the novels, there's everything. Yep. You could just there's audio dramas, they've got everything. You man. could yeah. just do Warhammer and that is pretty fascinating. And I feel like there's other properties that occasionally could benefit from I know it's it's almost overly capitalistic and I don't <laughs> I don't like it in that sense. You know, it's like it's like oh, profit we could we could we could mine this this thing dry, you know, and sure, I don't I don't sure. think it, I'm not trying to think of it like that. And I'm thinking of it more like, hey, it would be cool just to have more stuff in this universe. There's something to
0: be said for a universe that you can get lost in. Yes. Uh, You know, Five Nights at
1: Freddy's proved that. Yeah. And uh, Five Nights at Freddy's its- is about animatronics stuffed with the dead yeah. bodies of kids
0: right uh you know and 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 you know on its face just a a little scare game you know that's all there is to it but there is so much lore filled into that thing uh that people like that's their whole thing i've got friends who are not gamers but love the matt pat videos when he comes out with a lore they know him. Backwards and forwards. They know it all by heart. And they've never even played a five nights at Freddy's game. They just love that fucking universe and all the mystery behind it and stuff. And I think you're right. Bloodborne has a lot of room for that.
1: And all the, all that FNAF money being funneled right into your least favorite Republican senators.
0: Hey, (laughs) Hey.
1: Hey. we can still be topical. Uh We know what we're doing. (laughs) That wraps it up for this evening. Thank you all for listening. If you want more from us, please go ahead and leave a five star rating. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts uh, or whatever rating, if you're listening on another platform that gives ratings, I don't think it, almost any of them do, but who knows? Leave a five star rating if you're on, if you're on Apple. Follow us on Twitter at Pixel Lit Pod, and that about does it. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.